Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another psychically awesome episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I'm so excited to be here today. I am joined, as usual, by my psychically fit co-host... Mr. Josh Rutledge. Well, I'm glad that some part of me is fit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You have been exercising your mental awareness. Yep. And it shows, my friend, the pecs on your brain <laughs> are stout. It's just It reminds me of the, the, the uh, alien guys from uh, Star Trek, the original series. Like like the big head. oh yeah the big headed but ones. like but like when they when they're thinking real hard like their their head throbs yeah like that's what I that's what I think about when you say the the pecs on my brain pretty so, much yeah. pretty much um, we have a very very exciting episode we've been alluding to it uh, and in fact last week we said that we would be here in two weeks well we decided to jump the gun and jumped now um, we got a chance to interview. Mr. Alan Greenfield himself. I think it's Dr. Alan Greenfield. The Reverend Dr. Yeah. Tao, Dr. Well, Suffragette Bishop, most, Alan Greenfield. Yeah, <laughs> most people who have a doctorate want to be want to be referred to as doctor. Yeah, he's amazing. That's yeah. all I need to say. Yeah. Um, we had such a great time with him that we've had to break it up into two episodes. Um, so we're going to be this is today is going to be part one of his interview. Um, and for those of you that don't know who we're talking about, uh, if you've watched Hellier, he is the guy that wrote the complete secret cipher of the Euphonauts, had the interview with Terry Wrist, um, and is just a fantastic ufologist that, um, you know, 
Uh, but, but so much more than Hellier. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. It, it, uh, it's like saying that uh, that Mothman was the movie. Right. And, oh, good God, no. So, um, But this guy ran around with the likes of Gray Barker and John Keel and those guys. Um, he has some really fantastic stories about all those guys yeah. and, and Mosley and, and all of them. And yeah, so it, it, all, all in all, it is a it is a great it was a great interview. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed myself. Felt more like a discussion. Oh, yeah. Than an interview, per se. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that you all will be uh, will be happy uh, and entertained. Hear. I yeah. mean, if anybody is a huckster and a jokester like we are, it's Alan. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciated that more than anything was just the absolute fun we had. Um, so but we're going to get to part one here shortly. Uh, but let's go ahead and move into our segments so we can get through the day and get straight to A.G., So our first segment, as usual, is the Psychic Word of the Week. And now, the Psychic Word of the Week. All right, so of course we've got our Psychic Word out of the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June Bletzer. Rest in peace, honey buns. Uh, the word that we flipped to today was understanding. Um, now, this isn't the Oxford Dictionary, mm-hmm. so let's see what it has to say in terms of psychic awareness. Um, so immediately, and I'm not sure what this means, in parentheses, this is Wang Yang Ming. Um, and that, to me, just sounds like a porn star. So uh, we'll go on and see. And it's in quotation, so this Wang Yang Ming may have been the person that quoted this. Maybe. But it says, that which is converted, knowledge which is converted into which is his own, the ability to use knowledge received in its right perspective and to feel comfortable with it. Hmm. So it's... It's the it's the difference between knowing the path and walking the path to quote uh, yeah uh, the you know the matrix um, but it's it, yeah I mean it's it's very much having knowledge uh, versus accepting knowledge as wisdom maybe or to to put it that way yeah absolutely um, it, it's very cool uh, to to think of it that way um, and, and it also makes me think about. Um, there's a there's a book and I can't I cannot remember the name of it, but it um, it basically is like uh, the human race sets out to to find and and colonize other worlds. Um, to colonize. To colonize. Uh, <laughs> uh, colonize and uh, and so the the plan is is that they're gonna find worlds that already have a primate species. Mm-hmm. And they have this specially formulated genetic stuff that they basically send down to the planet that has a primate that uh, forces a advanced evolution of the primate into humans. Then they go back and meet their human brethren and, and teach them all the things that they need to know. So that's kind of the premise of the book. Hmm, interesting. Well, uh, one of the things that happens is they act like the one of the ships comes under fire it gets because uh, there's people who don't want them to do that. Anyways, long story short, they accidentally do that on a uh, planet that is uh, mainly inhabited with spiders. Oh no! Mm-mm. So you get these like large, uh, nope. s- super smart spiders. Nope. Like uh, you know, spider rainbows. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, what we call foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so anyway, so one of the things that takes place all through the book 
um, is the the spiders every time they um, they pass down the knowledge of what they learned from the previous generation they call it an understanding hmm. and so um, like the one generation of spider uh, knew how to spin a web uh, that generation of spider learned how to also spin a net so when they passed on to their offspring they passed on the understanding mm-hmm. of learning how to spin a net later on in their culture in their in their evolution they actually figured out how to how to create certain chemicals that would like as soon as they were taken in to the, from the various spiders would automatically have the understandings of all the previous generations so like it's yeah you know, well in a way it's like that genetic memory or oral traditions yeah. as well so it's just you know interesting uh, again just i thought it was interesting related to that book that i'd read you know a couple of years ago <laughs> but uh but yeah so understanding is just that that continuation of not only knowing the knowledge but knowing the knowledge is a little different but anyways but accepting it as right because knowing uh, is half the battle or three quarters in today's world. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I looked up Wang Yang Ming. Uh, Wang Yang Ming is a uh, famous Chinese calligrapher, military general, but is mostly known as a philosopher. Um, and he lived uh, between 1472 and 1529. And so that's, I'm sure, we'll probably come across his name probably again in this book um, as a well, philosopher. He was, so he was alive when uh, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yeah. In 1492. <laughs> 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 oh, bring your diseases, Columbus. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, so that's our psychic word. We actually had a word this yeah. week for psychic word of the week, Not which is phrase. understanding. And um, it's, again, ironic uh, that we're speaking to Alan Greenfield today, yeah. who I mean, has it, given it, us some understanding. It, it definitely is a fitting word. Uh, for the subject. Yep. So let's go ahead and get things moving and let's move right into this week's spooky news. So this week's spooky news um, is kind of creepy and weird. Um, and I've seen it and the article I have comes from Fox News, which isn't, in my opinion, the most trusted news source. But I did uh, look, and it is across the board on most news sources. Um, so uh, this uh, headline reads, this is four days ago. It says, mysterious gel-like substance discovered on the far side of the moon has been identified. Hmm. So uh, it says scientists have identified a strange gel-like substance that was discovered on the far side of the moon. The material was found last year during China's Chang'e 4 mission to the moon. Citing the Chinese language publication Our Space, Space.com reports what the matter or that the matter was indeed gel-like. Uh, in a paper published in the Journal of Earth and Planetary Sciences, researchers described the substance as dark greenish and glistening impact melt brickia. Um, that's B-R-E-C-C-I-A. I'm not sure what that is. Um, China even posted on Twitter um, something that says the U-22 rover part of China's Changji's 4 mission has discovered an unusually colored gel-like substance during its exploration on the far side of the moon. Mission scientists are now trying to figure out what the mysterious material is. 
Uh, Impact Melt Bruxia, which is that uh, word again, is a type of lunar rock formed from asteroids striking the surface of the moon. Now, in this paper, the scientists explain that the substance discovered by Shangji's four missions U-2 rover is similar to two Melt Bruxia samples returned from the moon by NASA's Apollo 15 and Apollo 17 missions. And in a separate project, scientists have used radar technology to shed new light on the subsurface of the moon. So see, that's the part that I want to hear about. Nope. What's the, what's the radar technology? Good night. Bye. Yeah. Sorry, secret Just space program. You drop, it in, drop it at the end of an article and don't say anything about <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, Fox News. <laughs> so, But yeah, you can see that was also on space.com and a number of yeah. other um, places. It did hit Reuters and stuff like that. So um, what is it like? I mean, that place looks like the most dry ass place. I know. <laughs> and to have some like shiny green substance, you're like, I saw the blob, but the blob was pink. So I'm not sure what this is. Well, you know, if you if you think about the whole thing with the secret space program and the fact that uh, one of the one of their kind of big things is that there is like an entire civilization or port mm-hmm. or something well, like that on and, the dark side. And of course, don't forget we made the the moon ring. That's that's legit in yeah. modern news that right. exists. Not like a ring you can wear on your finger that tells you what no, mood they, you have. No, they bombed the surface, essentially, right. and, and it, a and ringing it, noise it, that lasted eight hours. Bong. So, yeah. Um, but uh, one of the, you know, so it's possible that that gel-like substance is not Brickshire or whatever that they said it was, yeah. but actually some sort of fuel that was leaked onto the surface oh, or waste. alien blood or who knows what. Nuclear waste. Yeah. I mean, it could be anything. Or God's boogers. Yeah. Maybe the rover sneezed. Yes, maybe. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting. I hope that they follow up. I hope this isn't one. Of, it was a short story, so that always makes me fearful that we're not going to hear about it anymore. Yeah. Um, but I would. I hope to find out what it is um, and, you know, dig a little deeper, pun intended. So, but yeah, that's our spooky news for the week. Cause, you know, is is I, the far side of the moon. I'm glad. I'm glad some other countries are still working on the moon because we sure aren't. Yeah. So, well, at least not on the books. No, yeah, not not public, <laughs> not publicly. Right. But I'm glad. You know, I'm glad somebody is. So, um, but yeah. So, if you're ready, speaking of outer space, we can move right into the UFO sighting of the week. All right, so Josh, what do we got? What sighting do we have this week besides the one I'm going to share in, in Creepy Ketchup? <laughs> <laughs> so um, this actually comes from uh, newfork.org. Uh, God bless you. Thank you. And it stands for the National UFO Reporting Center, in case you remember, was uh, curious. And uh, this happened in West Abing- Abington Township, PA. Uh, this is uh, happened at about seven seconds on July 9th, uh, 2020 at 12.50 a.m. So it says, I was riding on my road when I noticed a dark-colored object in the sky not more than a mile out. It was headed west across the road, and it looked as if it was engulfed itself in flames and started accelerating slowly and then took off like a rocket. It didn't travel far before it vanished in an almost blinding light. The strangest part was for how bright the flash was. It was almost contained, and it did not illuminate anything around. 
It left a trail of falling flames that sparkled like sparklers. It moved so fast and so unnatural. After the flash, though, it had vanished completely. It was beautiful, but I honestly have never worried or been unsure. If what I saw can be explained by natural phenomena, I need to know. Whoa. That was a lot because, of course, you know, we're looking in July towards the 4th of July. So, of course, you know, our first thoughts are, is this fireworks? Right. That's not fireworks. That's not fireworks. No. That would be, I mean... The only, the only, I think the only way that that potentially could be fireworks, which somebody may have done this, is would be to hook like a Roman candle to a drone, fly the drone into the air, and then ignite the Roman candle, which that would be a lot to do. I mean, that, that could potentially explain what this guy's seeing, but that's, that's a lot to do. That's a lot to do. And how are you going to light it up there? <laughs> I mean, you could work up an electronic trigger, but anyways, the, just the force—so much work. But just the force of the of the Roman candle firing would have like decimated the yeah the drone. So and I was like, that's so much work for a small town, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, um, but yeah, it's like I, I, when when you're looking, you know what fireworks look like, right? Especially this time of year. So to put a sighting out means you have already said this does not in any right. way shape or form look, look like fireworks. fireworks yeah so what i think what's interesting we think back to our sighting uh several weeks ago with the bright light in the sky mm-hmm. um and, and think about this I, i'm wondering if these the kind of things um if it's like a uh, what's the word i'm looking for um uh an illusion type thing where when you think about a, a, an illusionist show you go in, and they sometimes they'll do like a puff of uh, of like a spark of flame, mm-hmm. and that distracts you from what's actually happening, right? Correct. And so, what if this was just really the, the the sparks was a distraction from the craft changing direction? Think of it like an aircraft, uh, in military aircraft, they have what's called chaff, and they launch that chaff to deter heat-seeking rockets. So it's kind of the same it's same thought process. I mean, when I'm chaffed, I just use baby powder. So. <laughs> but it's it's kind of the same process, right? So it's, <laughs> the, it's like a let me throw this at you, so you focus on it and not on me. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, even that night that we had with that light, what if it was still there after the fact? But we were still looking we were for still the focused light. on the light. Yeah. Very very interesting. Um, very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Is there a name on there? There is not a name. Okay, well, thank you, not a name. Um, very, very cool, man. I'm very <laughs> intrigued by that, um, especially for what I'm going to share. Okay. I'm Creepy Ketchup, so let's go ahead and jump into Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Y'all, it's Creepy so I have had one heck of a week this week. I've shared some of it online um, on, on our Facebook page uh, for those in the know that actually uh, read deep into the post and to the comments. Um, I, on 4th of July, yeah, so right around like 11.50, so it really goes into the 5th of July. I was sitting outside. As, as you know, there was supposed to be a lunar eclipse, and it was so weak we didn't see anything. Yeah. Um, e- even some folks that uh, were way out in the country like you 
didn't see anything, no. though different parts of the world definitely got a better view. Don't get me wrong. I, I've seen some shots of the, the eclipse, um, though earlier in the day, the moon was dark and bright uh, when it first came up in the evening there. Um, but anyways, we both have our Samsung Galaxy uh, S20 Ultra, um, not a sponsor, um, <laughs> that has the, the 100 times space zoom, yep. and uh, which we both adore. And so I, I was trying to take pictures of the moon. Um, I was literally sitting uh, on the sidewalk in front of our house taking pictures of the moon. Uh, I loved it. It was absolutely beautiful. Got some really great pictures. And whilst I was taking a picture, I noticed something out of the corner of my eye moving erratically, and it was blue. It was a blue light. And so my first thought is, oh, cool, space station or something along that lines. Um, But then I noticed it moving backwards and then up and down and and in different directions. And so I quickly, for anyone that has the, the ultra it is not easy to get whatever you're trying to get focused into the middle um, for the the zoom um, because it's so close it moves quick um, and so I I just I was able to snap a picture of it um, and of course as soon as I snapped that picture it was gone it disappeared it disappeared um, and so of course you know uh, it's still zoomed up and it just kind of looked like a white light um, so I thought I know this thing was blue. I went into my settings and I lowered the exposure and lowered the brightness because there was a lot of smoke in the air from fireworks. And of course I'm in the city and I'm actually was shooting past a uh, street light. So I lowered all that stuff, zoomed in on it. And what I saw blew my mind. What I saw was the shape of a classic saucer. Yep. um, Bulbous on the top, bulbous on the bottom and a ring around it. Um, it was white in the middle with a blue hue halo, essentially, yeah. around it. And then behind it was this spiraling blue light. I don't I don't know what yeah. it is. And uh, it's just mind-blowing that what I saw looked like a saucer. Mm-hmm. And um, I posted it on um, many different UFO sightings. I even reported it to uh, New Fork and MUFON. And uh, different things like that. Uh, I'm very, very interested in what I saw. And, I mean, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's got to be a star. It's got to be a satellite. Well, I've never seen anything that looked like that or moved like that. I mean, we've taken, uh, with our our phone camera, you know, with that space zoom, we've taken pictures of stars before. Yeah. And they look completely different. Um, Yeah, and a star would not have been able to zoom that close. Even Jupiter, which was out that night which was bigger than what I saw, I, I wasn't able to. Yeah. Well, and, and, and um, whenever I've zoomed in and taken pictures of stars, they, they generally look round. Yeah. Like they don't look oblong, if you will. Right. And then the thing is, is what was the light behind it? Right. You know, I mean, it was in, it almost looked like a Fibonacci sequence, like it, it, the way it rounded out and, and spiraled. Makes you wonder if it was like some sort of a, a trail like yeah or exhaust energy. or yeah, yeah 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 that's very cool any anything else happened yeah to you? I, I did it, is, it has been a week for me <laughs> um but yeah that was like the number one thing and i wanted to also say i had another person that said uh in the same area of town that i was in that they had a friend that reported seeing something that night hmm. um that and that night too i mean i saw two other things but i've justified them as chinese lanterns I still don't think they were, 
but uh, you know the skeptics will kill me too much so but I did see two red things moving around and and moving in different directions and and things like that uh, while watching the fireworks so I I don't know I like I said I can justify it as Chinese lanterns so I'm going to (laughs) but I don't know Uh, but the other thing is is the other day when I was working um, I kept I kept catching something out of the corner of my glasses reflecting out of the side of the glasses the second that I would even turn a millimeter it would disappear off of the mirror image of my glasses and as soon as I would turn back it would be there and this lasted for gosh probably about an hour um, before finally there was just nothing there anymore like, you know, there's no, there was no, a cat's not going to stay in the exact same position. And I, I know where my cats are Yeah, there. No one was coming into the living room. It doesn't go in. Like my view goes back into essentially what is directly behind me is the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know what I saw. Um, I definitely got chills from it. Um, but yeah, there was something there, but as soon as I would turn, even slightly and I even tried to kind of look yeah. like try to stay as still as possible and kind of move my eyes to kind of zero in on it and as soon as I would do that it would disappear mm. it was the weirdest yeah I just I don't know how to explain it uh, but I definitely felt spooky well you know, know I've had but I've had situations like that recently too so the night of the of the lunar eclipse I was out on the back deck uh, taking pictures and stuff and uh I felt like something was like uh, on the crest of my roof, kind of peeking over. Oh at yeah! Me. And I, like I even at one point in time kind of saw it like lift up and peek over at me out of the corner of my eye. But again, when I try to look at it, there was nothing there. Yeah. So makes you wonder if you know when you think about um, your eye and and the uh, the fact that it's a basically a globe with the lens is the the uh, half circle, if you will. And you think about how when the moon rises, uh, it looks bigger in the sky than when it's directly overhead. Right. So I, I'm wondering if as you as things move um, f- closer down to the horizon when it comes to the Earth or to the horizon, horizon of your eye, you think about it that way, mm. if your eye actually uh, magnifies those things uh closer to the edge and so that's why you're able to see things out of the corner of your eye that maybe you can't see looking straight at them because the, the side of your eye is actually performing some sort of a magnification of what you're seeing it's possible the other thing that i find odd is that i saw this this ufo or uap and yet all of a sudden we've been talking about possible visitations right yeah and how um this idea that ets or uts or i guess in this instance an et um would be able to have a suit that is cloaked that Mm -hmm. that we can't see them um and yet my glasses were able to catch a reflection of it somehow pick up the refraction or something right which would explain the night hags and stuff again um showing up as is maybe i'm being visited again and yeah. uh, they are there in the day, and I, I happened to catch it, which explains why it was gone in an hour, because it moved on. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, very intriguing. I, it, it's made me think that, like, I wish I could set up, you know, like, thermal cameras all around my house and just yeah. record 24-7. 24-7, like Big Brother. <laughs> yeah, to see, to see what I catch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but that's my creepy catch-up. you have anything this week? 
Uh, other than, like I said, the thing kind of around, on the same night peeking over the crest uh, to, to see. Um, and then my one of my daughters uh, told me about a weird footprint mm-hmm. when she was taking a shower last week that was out on the floor. And um, it, it didn't look like a normal footprint. It had like, so when you think about a normal footprint, you know, it kind of curves in yeah. where your arch is. So this was, it curved in on both sides. Mm. And it only had three toes. Mm, three, that's, oh, boy, that's a classic thing there. So, again, kind of thinking about the whole invisible suit walking around mm-hmm. type thing. Um, you know, what if they're all the time just kind of in my house and I, I, checking I, me I, out? I don't want to talk about old crazy Stan Romanek, but yeah, thinking about his videos and stuff, that's what it's starting to feel like. Well, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were talking about it with uh, with our friend Santosh, and... And, uh, you know, he said, you know, we, you and I, Mm -hmm. are are trying to make a connection. Correct. And um, it would make sense if whatever we're trying to make a connection with wants to connect with us, Mm -hmm. that they kind of scope us out first. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, make sure we're not a threat, right? So, because, you know, if if they have introduced themselves to our leadership, let's say, in the past, and our leadership put them in, you know... Uh, freezer packs and, and dissected them, then they wouldn't want to be weary about who they or or they did reconnaissance on a family in Kelly, Kentucky, and they were shot at. Right, exactly. So um, you know, not everybody in, K- in Kentucky is a is a bumpkin. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it would make sense that they would try to do some recon to understand is this a safe um, person to connect with? Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah, I, I 100. I am, I am definitely more and more um, believing that uh, Santosh definitely made super good sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's pretty much my creepy ketchup. I reckon that's yours. Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty much mine. I do feel like uh, the doors opened uh, and closed behind us for us to find a window. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see what we're gonna be seeing. Um, but part of that is getting a chance to meet Alan Greenfield. Yep. And so we're going to share with you guys part one of our interview with him. Um, it is great. There is a tad, tad bit of language occasionally. Yeah. Um, nothing I would be too worried about. Um, but enjoy. Have fun with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Hey everyone, Josh here. Do you feel like mainstream options for things such as yoga, meditation, or documentaries and films meant to expand your mind are lacking? Have you heard of Gaia? Gaia is the largest resource of consciousness-expanding videos. Both Stefan and I have watched several of the series, documentaries, and films available on topics such as the Secret Space Program, Channeling Interdimensional Beings, and Alien Encounters. We're just now exploring the over 8,000 films, shows, and classes available to stream on your favorite devices. To get your 10-day free trial of Gaia, go to fearscapepodcast.com slash Gaia offer. Again, that's fearscapepodcast.com slash G-A-I-A offer. Uh, just, just, um, yeah, we're just super excited. Um, and it's, it's, I, I, I'm definitely all about synchronicities. Don't get me wrong, especially because I just finished secret cipher of the euphonauts. 
uh, the day before you emailed us. So it was really, really exciting. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) You know, I was just blown away just at the timing of that, as well as everything else that I've been reading. Your name keeps popping up and other things. And uh, and I'm very excited about all of that, right? The good things or the bad things? Good, they're good things, um, yeah. though I did see somebody say that more than likely you were uh, Demo, um, Demo Hassan, so. Ah, well, that was probably my internet troll, Victor Siepert, C-Y-P-E-R-T. <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. Which is, you know, that's something of a record. I mean, every book <laughs> I come out with, he pans and... Uh, so I've decided to mention his name in every program that I <laughs> But awesome. no, I love that. And then, you know, I'll, I'll be reading something else and uh, I'll find you have done the introduction or um, was really interesting. I was in Ann Arbor uh, two, three weeks ago, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I went into my favorite uh, bookstore. It's this used bookstore called the Dawn Treader. And in there was in the uh, paranormal section and new age section. And my uh, book caught my eye, which was the serious mystery. And um, I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to grab this. And then uh, I had just gotten the complete cipher. And so I'm reading through and there all of a sudden you're talking about the serious mystery. <laughs> I'm like, Well, shit, I guess this is all on purpose. So very, very, it very excited. Works that way when you're when you're on the right track, that is mm-hmm. current theory. And it kind of guides you back if you're on the wrong track. Uh, some, mm-hmm. yeah. Sometimes somewhat harshly, like the balloon thing, which oh, God, my yeah. publisher is now having the balloon things. So. Oh, <laughs> I just saw somebody posted on that Hellier group, that Facebook group, where he was like, um, star balloon equals in the secret cipher, Hellier hoax. So can we all be done with the stupid balloon? <laughs> <laughs> got uh, thrown off of Facebook for reasons unknown. And since I was thrown off by, I see somebody writing in the background. Do you have a, it's, oh, I, we're next, we're next we're to, next each, to other. each other. Okay. You're in the same. Yeah. We're in the same room. <laughs> that it's so, uh, uh, weather is so inclement. Are you in New Jersey or so? Cause there's a typhoon or something. No, no we're, we're, we're in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, you're in Louisville. That's good. <laughs> yep. Louisville, 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 whatever you want to say. Louisville. Leave it, Bill. Well, in Georgia, we call it Louisville. Yeah. Um, yeah, we love it here. Um, but yeah, we're just right next to each other. It's just easier than trying to share a camera because my head's big. So. Yeah. <laughs> and he moves around a lot. Not it's I- mine. Mine is. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I, if I get close to I can. <laughs> so so alan i couldn't help but notice but you just said that your head is as big as a balloon does that count as a balloon sighting <laughs> well if you want to count it you know just take my name run it through the cipher and after greenfield balloon yep and i'll go ahead and tweet uh tyler about that make sure he gets that <laughs> yeah i don't so. think tyler knows what happened to me because i disappeared i had five thousand subscribers and almost a thousand followers whatever that mean mm-hmm. in that context and i i don't think anybody is working at facebook i think it's all machines and i use the wrong sign in that's only happened once before curiously when i was up to five thousand people mm-hmm. and 
they will not let me back in. I've sort of given up on it and I have an account on MeWe, or as I call it, WeWe. Yeah, <laughs> I saw, I saw all that. <laughs> well, it's funny. I've, I've got some, uh, some long gone relatives that we can't get rid of their Facebook. Right. Accounts, they've been but, dead, <laughs> you know, but. Well, actually you mentioned my son, Alex. Uh, he, uh, I had a, I mean, I've been on Facebook since uh, John Crow twisted my arm many years ago. So I've been on practically from the beginning. And I had designated my son, Alex, as uh, what do they call it when uh, the person dies and they somebody else, you know, picks up the site or whatever. Uh, so he's he's, you know, the proxy or yeah, inheritor of the Yeah. <laughs> He's capable. He's a Lovecraftian, very weird person. But then he grew up in the house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, he great. literally was on a UFO watch with me on my shoulder when he was less than a year old, which he keeps in his IMDb bio. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. I. I would though. That's what I would do if my dad was cool like that. <laughs> Instead, I was I was looking at billiards games with my dad. Well, he's a big cool yeah. player. Well, we watched <laughs> wrestling together too. So that's... yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, well, I guess to jump into quickly get through Hellier a little bit. One thing that we can definitely say is that um, it was when we started looking into your writings and Keel's writings Keel, yeah. and things like that and Gray Barker and all of those wonderful folks uh, is when our ideas went somewhere else than Greg and Dana and those guys did. I'm not sure that, well, first of all, one, one thing I like about them as a group is they're new. I'm, yes. They're new as in new to everything. They're uh, old ghost hunters, but they're younger people than most mm -hmm. of the people in ufology or paranormal research or cryptid, you know, all of which I think is the same thing uh, under different guises, just like my rant since the 1960s, that yeah. they also, they're, they're following the synchronicities, but they're following mm -hmm. it from the beginning. And the thing that I like about it is I've done a lot of field investigations and I've also been on a lot of those uh, history channel type TV shows yeah. and their shows. I mean, you know, I, in fact, um, uh, Alex and Penny, my daughter-in-law, were living in New York for a while. And I, I had a program called Decoded, which wasn't well named. And I did it on Liberty Island. I came back and I uh, had lunch with my son and daughter-in-law and I said, I think I may have to join SAG-AFTRA because clearly this was an acting job. The thing about Hellier is you may not like it, you may like it, you may, you know, uh, but it's real. It's the yeah. real search uh, is, including you don't have some object and then you reach that object and you go, well, that, there's the ghost in the attic. Yeah. It's not a rat. It's not a rat. Yeah. It's a ghost. I absolutely love the show, um, and I do love those guys. Um, I, I definitely feel like Connor is a little more on the path with, with numbers and, and things like that. Uh, even me not being a numbers guy, uh, for sure, I'm definitely more the occult artistic and things like that. But I, I, I think that's the path to follow is where Connor's headed, and I'm, I'm very excited to see where they go. So. Yeah, I, um, 
I, I think that they will find their own way if they follow yep. synchronicities, yep. but it's going to be a process and they could edit all that out, but they don't, you know, they yeah, right. very dramatic yeah. go straight for the mouth, <laughs> the mind, yeah. maybe have a few rocks fall down and <laughs> uh, they, they're doing trial and error and following the synchronicities. Yep. So, you know, people who are looking for it to be, I'm not saying you, I'm saying the average audience that, that watches the History Channel wants there to be a big bazunga. Correct. Bazunga in there, it's, uh, it's, it's ongoing research with- It's ongoing. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And, and you know. yeah, the one thing you said that I really liked more than anything was that maybe this path was set to get it more out on, in the open, which it, it has done. I mean, we spend a lot talking about the things that the threads we've followed on our own that have led to completely different things that don't have anything to do with Hellier, but kind of had its root yeah. from watching that show. Got it so, started. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I'm I, just my own personal history and past. I'm, I was at one point Gardnerian for a long time and other forms of Wicca and just all these different other things that, you know, I'm reading and all are kind of, I'm finding synchronicities in my own life based off of the stuff that I've been into and finding the things that I'm looking at now and how they tie into that, that whole idea like the keel talks about and, and you guys talk about is that, you know, there's this connection between all of those things. Somehow it's, it's all related. Let me contrast keel and Barker, both of whom I knew, I knew Barker much better, but I knew yeah. quite well. Um, keel approached the, the original Mothman cases. I have to say original now because there's a whole flock of them, maybe literally, uh, in the in the Midwest now. So, you know, they're coming to Kentucky at any given moment. <laughs> any minute, if they can in get a town near you, <laughs> they can get through the border. They're on their way. Illinois and Indiana. So, you know, I, it may flap on down, but... Uh, and you're you're above the cave system, I believe. So you probably yep. are. are pro uh, since that seems to have some real correlation with all this, it might be. Oh yeah, along with missing persons, which uh, there's a correlation there that is scary, frankly. But uh, I mean, it's thousands of people over over a period of time, and that's real. I'm, I'm only talking about those that don't don't get found. Yeah, right. Start to think Richard Shaver's stuff, and maybe they were eaten, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want to say that to their relatives because they may just have absconded to the right, you know, which is not a bad idea these days. But uh, be that as it may, actually, I've been in a cave on Barbados as well, and a and the chase vault, the place where the moving coffins are located. Anyway, mm. Keel Barker, <laughs> okay, Keel approached the whole. Uh, West Virginia thing as a kind of reporter, but a particular kind. His previous experience was mostly with what were then the men's magazines in the 1960s. And you would have to be my age or above to remember <laughs> Saga and Argosy and uh, True, uh, which was no more true than Argus. And so <laughs> you you sort of had to do your story in between the ones about the guy who gets on an island and finds that it's the island of lost women who are starved for male attention. And the, 
And the centerfold is just a girl in a bikini, you know. I mean, this was mm -hmm. uh, the, the relatively tame stuff, but was considered men's magazines for ordinary folks, not like Esquire or <laughs> GQ. <laughs> well, GQ hadn't even come out at that point. Anyway, so that's Keel's approach to just about everything. Mm -hmm. Barker is a West, well, practically a native of West Virginia. He's a native of Western Virginia and uh, uh, just over the border when when the two divided and he lived most of his life in uh, Clark, uh, the last train to Clarksville, whatever, in West Virginia. And he was uh, a degreed folklorist and he approached the whole issue with the eye of a folklorist. And I think the Silver Bridge, if you if you read it properly, and I tried to do... That's what I'm reading right now. It's the old edition with my introduction that I wrote in 1970. Uh, yeah, it has both, yeah, both intros in it. And this I, is the, the newer one, yeah, good. That's, mm -hmm. I, it's it's fascinating to read his his accounting of everything after I've read Keels, so it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's I think that's more, it's closer to the truth, uh, as Jim Mosley would have said. It's dangerously close to the truth. And uh, Barker, I, I, he didn't spell it out, but he basically uh, told me because I had to talk him into publishing the book because uh, he showed it to Mosley, his best bud. Uh, uh, first, and Mosley is a fact freak, and he said, oh, I don't like this. This is too much like fiction. Yeah. Like the whole thing isn't a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In Philip K. Dick's universe, that's the reality. Uh -huh. You know, you want, uh, that's where I get my synchronicities. Anything I read by or about Philip K. Dick, I get a ton of synchronicities immediately following. And that. Yep. Uh, based off of your recommendation in your books, I'm reading Vallis right now as well. So. Have you read any of his other earlier stuff? Oh yeah, I was already a Philip K. Dick fan, huge fan. Um, so, but I had I had not read Vallis or come across it, so I was very it, and it's it's really good. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. the 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 trilogy was published posthumously, but yeah, mm -hmm. basically, uh, Vallis is the first, and then according to it depends on who you talk to. If you talk to yes. his last wife, he she thinks that it was a different order altogether. But uh, I'm not so sure she's not clueless about this. Um, I mean, he, uh, I once had an argument with Ursula Le Guin about Philip K. Dick being a male chauvinist pig. And I said, no, he's just talking. His books are semi-autobiographical and he's had a very bad time with women, which I can sort of relate to. <laughs> <laughs> through four marriages uh, he was one up on me there but uh, <laughs> and she was uh, snippy about that but I understand they made up before either one of them passed from this realm um, in any case uh, I think Barker was right on the money and Keel if you want just a factual account of this was a case and that was a case the thing mm -hmm. is the, the phone calls I'm pretty well convinced were part of uh, Gray's bad reputation. Jim Mosley and Gray Barker would get together and get uproariously drunk and stoned, and they would make phony phone calls. And one of, awesome. one of their regular victims, apparently, during that period was John A. Keel. 
I'm out here. Uh, yeah, I'm... <laughs> that's fantastic. So that like... sounds like me and Josh. Bill <laughs> writes down, and I was contacted repeatedly by Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who had a voice somewhat like Gray Barker, if he were a drinking <laughs> man. He was a drinking man, and they yes, they did. They did a little film at one of our conventions where they were. Uh, this was back in the day where they uh, they. They were looking at the camera as deadpan as they could, and they said, and and just as these sightings have a spiritual dimension, we have found this herb. <laughs> you are really great spiritual experience. And I, oh, this is getting to the core of it right there, you know. <laughs> DMT was way in the future, so I don't know, but... Uh, uh, am I delusioning or or am I uh, enlightening here? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> both. Both. <laughs> Whatever Mosley and Barker did in the way of hoaxes, they were deadly serious about the phenomena. They were just mm -hmm. they they had a sense of humor, and most yeah. people in uh, nuts and bolts ufology have no zero sense of yes. And uh, you know they can uh, can I say screw? They can. Yeah, they can say whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, well, they can fuck themselves though. <laughs> but anything. And I tend to be somewhat profane despite. Same. That's all right. Yeah, it's a, I'm a comedian too. That's what I do outside of here. And it, it it's it's something I'm always worried will get in the way of the things that we're looking into that because I'm a comedian, I get taken less seriously a lot. So, um, but sorry I, I also like making people laugh and i also like the occult <laughs> are you are you being serious now i can't i, can't I don't tell. i okay. don't i don't even know i haven't <laughs> taken my adderall today seriously uh, is, is that something about the star serious serious sea which <laughs> lands in the in the heart of africa and uh lenny bruce of the spacecraft and says Funny happened to me on the way to Earth, and the and go people went, oh, rah, rah, that's funny. <laughs> and then the leaders of those people locked him up for being obscene. So, uh, yeah, and and he he got developed an awful heroin habit, and yeah, and it's a tragedy even here on Earth. But we memorialize by being similar. Yes, pioneer. So uh, before we move on uh, from Hellier, because we do want to get into a lot more other stuff, but um, I just, I think we have some other, I guess, corollary to Hellier. And that is Stefan and I both have some questions as it relates to Mr. Wrist. Okay. So I have just one other thing to say about Hellier okay. because we really covered the first one, which is whatever you think of it, it is an honest look at what field investigations in any of these areas are really like as opposed to the plumbers in New Jersey that go in a house and they hear a rat and go, oh, it's the spirits or yeah. whatever. I mean, you know, that is, and it's the first I have seen that is professionally done and real. And yeah. I, I, you know, could relate to everything that they were doing because I've mm -hmm. done all those same things in other locations. So the other thing um, is 
that it's, um, I, I, I told them, I think it may have been on the program, I, I said, you know, you're really doing a ritual. And they took it literally and had an episode that was a ritual. The whole thing yeah. is a ritual. And if you participate in the ritual by watching it, synchronicities will start to happen to you. I, I, yeah, I heard uh, 100% agree. Gazillions of people, well, not gazillions, but, you know, bunches, yeah. said, yeah, I watched it and I liked it or didn't like it, you know, A, B, C, or D. But I'm now having synchronicities that are very similar, like, like balloons. Just like us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, that's way out there. And, of course, there's the kindness that uh, when I wrote the uh, first draft of Secret Cipher, the Euphonauts, um, I thought that it would get picked up and people would start working with the cipher. This was way, way back and it just didn't happen. I gave a couple of speeches and mentioned it, and, but I was expecting people to pick up the ball and run with it. They did mm -hmm. not. Now they do. It doesn't hurt. Actually, the sales have gone through the roof of the, the complete Secret Cipher, uh, you know, the combined edition of Secret Cipher and Secret Rituals. But uh, uh, it's a whole different uh, a whole different outlook that people that are reading it now and using the Cipher and the feedback I'm getting goes beyond me. And when you get to be a certain age, you want to see, you know, some of this stuff go on beyond your yeah. time. And, yeah. yeah, if if that's uh, you know what I'm remembered for is starting people in that direction, that's that's great. Well, uh, it yep. definitely has for us. I mean, yeah. we use the hell out of the cipher on everything, um, <laughs> and it has enhanced our own research and the things that we're into. Um, in a weird way, as as a pagan, it's enhanced my spirituality as well, um, and to talk back about your uh about the ritual um as someone who um was uh, raised so to speak in the gardenarian and wicca and things like that and and the occult and all the things that i've been into um i thought that the actual ritual that they did was very vanilla ice cream compared to the ritual they were unintentionally doing throughout the entire show and that was my big thought on that was there was more intent and more potential in the ritual that they were taking part of than the actual pan ritual that they did which as a as a person who practices uh magic and things like that i thought was very vanilla they've they've never i don't think uh, as a group they've never done magic before or since in the ritual circle sense i mean they didn't physically i wouldn't do something in a in a, a cave or a, or a mine without physically drawing. Oh yeah, that was my first. <laughs> Killing with something like pan, I can tell you my pan story, but uh, you need a triangle <laughs> to hold whatever it is you're dealing with. Yep. You're likely to get panic and it's not an old word noted. Yeah, that was my thought, too. I was I would have thrown so much more protection down for someone they were nervous about dealing with anyways. Um, and so it it lost me a little bit on that. Um, but I really held on to your words about what they had already been through being the ritual. Yeah. And I look back at that and you can write things down and see things. And that's why I wish I, I had access to their brains to know everything that's not in the show, right? To really take a look at the ritual that has 
been and is being created. If the Great Plague ever ends, uh, I'm sure yeah. there will be a season three. So yes, yeah. yes, I love I love the the theorists, the conspiracy theorists that are like the the ritual they did in the cave is what caused COVID nineteen. <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> I saw a balloon on the side of the road. It has to be true. The hook. I uh, and spoiled uh, the presidential campaign of the current uh, behemoth uh, Godzilla, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Harold Gardner once saved me from getting beaten up by the Chicago police, but that's... Uh, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> He's a crazy looking dude, man. <laughs> there's a photo of me standing in front of the witch's mill and there's Gardner in the background. And the truth is I was in Chicago running from the cops and uh, because the Chicago cops are the pits for big city mm -hmm. cops. And mm -hmm. I saw the Ripley's Museum there. Well, I was already, you know, I had gone to the original Ripley's and I knew there would be some Gardnerian exhibit there if they hadn't mm -hmm. taken it down because it wasn't good for the kitties. Never mind the Tibetan yeah. skull and other. Right. <laughs> it's a strange thing. Um, but um, um, actually, I almost bought the collection, but uh, uh, all of Gardner's stuff that Monique Wilson basically sold off, which I think was mm -hmm. morally wrong, but uh, agreed. Um, but I did uh, ebook of Ye Art Magical. I they, they brought it to me from the vault in Toronto, brought it all the way down to St. Petersburg, Florida, where I read through it with my then wife. And I said, hey, this is all Crowley and Mm -hmm. and uh golden dawn and i mean it's it's uh and it's in three different handwritings and i wrote to doreen valente who would be uh, familiar to you i suppose if you were into real gardnerian wicca yes the only real wicca i think oops i'm in uh, what about the alexanders <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever you steal has its own validity. You know, that's, yep. <laughs> Saint Dissimus looks after you, uh, the good thief. Yep. Um, no, I mean, I mean, the three different handwritings didn't disguise the fact that uh, Doreen said uh, those are all Gerald's handwritings. He had three different scripts that he used for different things, and. Uh, I learned a lot from it, and I offered them six grand for the ebook of Yacht Magical, the only copy. And they turned it down. They said, we figure that it's something that if we sell the whole collection, and they were real anxious to do that because this was during the satanic panic thing. Panic of the 80s, yeah. Uh, so they were, you know, and the guy in uh, who had bought this, collection was the head of the museum in St. Petersburg and he had been originally the head of their Blackpool England uh, and thought he was doing a coup by buying you know all of the stuff that Monique uh, was selling uh, and apparently had run sort of afoul of his employers because they decided belatedly after having stuff on display that uh, that uh, Gardner was uh, too X-rated for the for their public, which I think was preposterous. But you know, I'm not I'm not a Ripley person. I just 
I like their museum. But anyway, so I ran yeah. to the museum and, ran and stood and took a photo in front of the looming presence of the late uh, Gerald Gardner and thus escaped from the billy clubs and uh, what a hundred and some odd people that I was with uh, wound up in jail. So, hmm. I mean, we were we were doing bad things, you know, like demonstrating or something <laughs> or something <laughs> or <Yeah>. something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely know Gardner definitely was very cool with with Crowley and the Golden Dawn folks and a lot of we even the stuff that we dig into in my coven and things like that we find a lot of Golden Dawn influence and stuff like that it's very very interesting that's why I loved reading your books and and kind of finding fleshing out some more history for me on some things it was really cool and the ties to the Masonic stuff and all that you know there's a pirate book out there that's been out there for years it first showed up in Canada and it's uh, my version of what the history of Wicca is, but I didn't write a book about it. I don't know whose book that is. <laughs> oh, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> the history of witchcraft or something like that. Something yeah. That. And some of the material in it is uh, ripped from my website, but uh, <laughs> I didn't write the book and I don't <laughs> know that I get royalties on it of any <laughs> I, I did because I did I was trying to find any other books you had and things like that and I came across that and I, I felt the same way I felt it was a little odd <laughs> it wasn't so. a book I don't and it it never has been identified first it showed up on scribed as a you know downloadable thing and right. showed up in uh several different editions because somebody figured out that it wasn't under copyright how could it be <laughs> yeah i've seen it yeah. on like archive book sites and stuff like that where they these are different way. editions it's it's apparently a popular book <laughs> yeah hey congratulations uh, alan <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think uh, barker wrote the forward so. yeah <laughs> was the forward he was <laughs> he was forward is what he was problem and may he rest in peace <laughs> his picture on the back of silver bridge is the best it's, it's the it, best picture ever well there are great pictures of, of gray around and there's actually a room at the uh local clarksburg uh museum that's devoted to gray barker memorabilia so that's fantastic yeah it is he, he never got the recognition that he deserved because our whole branch of ufology was not nuts and bolts oriented so we the contactees didn't like us because we weren't contactees and we're not going into trance every other afternoon and uh or ever except when mosley and barker were using that the herb dangerous <laughs> the herb yeah. um and that was whether that's trans channeled or not i don't know <laughs> but uh, uh and on the other hand that the nuts and bolts people didn't like us because we were open to other ideas from way mm -hmm. way back and so uh we were we called ourselves middle ufology back in the day and had a really long run with our convention those who have survived are still around. Dave Halpern has a wonderful uh, uh, book out. He has a kind of Jungian perspective on, on this, but then back in the day, 
he was the head of the New Jersey Association of Aerial Phenomena. Yeah. He lived in Philadelphia. So think about that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) It's the essence of the mystery. So. I, I I just I love that I, I love uh, I also you know we come across that picture you took as well that's famous of course that uh, was possible MIB um, there's a rumor that Gray hired that guy to be at the convention but I hmm. understand how he could have gone around the corner when I you know I, right I, yeah. being theatrical I, in fact if I, if I had been alone eating lunch across the street from the convention I would have never told the story I didn't for a lot of years I just kept the picture you know under wraps but uh, I was sitting with like a dozen well-known figures in ufology and uh, I just decided well I'm gonna enough of this you know men in black around the corner I'm gonna you know if the guy gets physical, I'll punch him out. I don't. <laughs> and if it goes through him, I'll duly record it and get. <laughs> but instead, he froze outside when I got ahead of him. And I took that picture with a Yashica J7 camera, a millimeter camera. And he went around the corner. And I, you know, I had this moment of making sure that my camera was wound because it didn't this flip wine type thing but it w- couldn't have been more than five seconds and uh, uh, in uh, West Virginia on a Sunday afternoon downtown you could have shot a cannonball and not hit anybody so there was nobody in the streets not even cars nothing and he was on and on both sides of the street in any doorways he could have stepped into so who knows if gray wow. hired a uh yeah, a friend yeah. randy i can tell you that uh, so. well, well, you know, well you know that gets into so one of one of the theories that i have from all the stuff that i've been reading and accounts and things like that <clears throat> and then also some kind of personal thoughts that i've had is that um they have like uh cloaking suits if you will so they can appear invisible and come and go as they please that that a lot of ghost encounters are actually uh where you're seeing echoes of their cloaking suits that they're wearing or you know if you've got poltergeist activity it's actually because they're opening and closing your your drawers and your doors and your cabinets and things like that it's not actually a ghost that's doing it so just well that's entirely possible that implies that they are what you you think you're seeing and my thought is that uh, and it's it's kind of based on on the uh, current uh, thinking in uh, quantum theory which is that we are one of a multiplicity of universes and sometimes there is for lack of a better term a glitch in the matrix and they Mm. are glitches and that's why they're able to appear and disappear not because they i'm not even sure that they look the way we see them because well yeah that's the same thing that i've i've had that thought as well is that um they actually look something completely different but they uh, somehow either broadcast or in our psyche make us see them as 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 they want to be seen and and i've actually used uh Indrid cold the different Indrid cold uh, uh interactions 
is kind of a, a, a basis for that to say that, you know, one of the first interactions happened in New Jersey and Andrew Cole is the ball headed guy and he looks really scary and he scared those two kids away. And then later you see him with like slick back hair. And I, and I looked at a popular movie of the time, which was the uh, day of the earth stood still and thought, what if they were pulling from pop culture to appear or, or project their appearance to be what we would be willing to accept. Or we're pulling it from pop culture and true and shaping something that's a stimulus. It's like we can't really see stars. We we get enough energy to have those points of light, but they are so far away, even the nearest stars. We only see register it as a twinkling object. I think we do actually see the planets, but stars, uh, it's just registering on our psyches. And when you think about it, in terms of biological history, we just got here, you know, years ago. And in terms of, of geological history, we really just got here. And in terms of, of, you know, the history of the universe, I don't even know if we're here yet. Oh, I know that. Yeah, that Carl Sagan timetable just blew my mind when I first saw that when I was a kid. So we have these five senses that that are made as far as we can tell to hunt and to kill and to eat and to mate and reproduce and pretty much nothing else because most yeah. of the our history such as it is uh, going back to the earliest hominids is just you know a drop in the ocean so are those senses prepared to see tulpas and 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 beings that come from complex dimensional structures that we uh, we have no direct contact with or do we well, something and the, it, like the stars we have to register it on our retinas so to speak but what we are seeing is nothing like what what they are which accounts for why little hairy men in south america and big tall blonde blue-eyed aryans in georgia damsky's uh <laughs> yeah because uh, according to jim mosley he was notoriously anti-semitic which considering his circle of friends i believe that yeah well it's it's something that like stuff and we've talked about before uh, there's the I, I don't remember where you said you read it from but the the thought that when um the ships from europe landed on uh oh it was the, on uh, what the bleep do we know is a fun fun little documentary yeah but it's you know when they first when the european ships first landed because native americans had never seen ships like that they likely didn't even see them they had no they were just blind to them being yeah, there. Their, their brains could not comprehend what they were seeing. And that they that goes into how often has that happened to us? How often has something large, maybe a, a mothership or something along those lines? And those of us that are, I guess, in the normality, I guess, could not see it. Yet some people can and some people can register it, right? That's that's uh, yeah. yeah, and I, I, the, some people have a, a finer attunement. I mean, I don't want to mm-hmm. get into too deep a metaphysical right. You're you're just using words that don't have any objective meaning, at least at this point. But uh, look, we're looking at screens right now as if we were actually looking at other people, right. and that's right. You no, know, it's purely uh, the, the electrons hitting a screen or whatever. I, 
not a technical person. No. <laughs> <laughs> Electrons hitting a screen. It sounds good anyway. So. Well, yeah. Right. Oh, that was beautiful. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you very much. Mr. And so astute. <laughs> so uh, if I could wrap back around real quick, because we do have just a – sorry for the sexual image. <laughs> um, and we do have a couple of questions um, about uh, Mr. Wrist. Um, in a, in really just more or less some some theories uh, that we have, and and really just wanted to ask maybe because you've interviewed him at least twice uh, as per the book, uh, and probably known him other times. That no, no, maybe not for very long. That's something I've tried to get through to the uh, to the Newkirks and others. I, I say I knew him for about a year. In a political group, a political radical group, and I'm not going to describe it further, that I was also a part of, ergo the aforementioned hiding from the Chicago Cup. <laughs> I figured, I figured. <laughs> and he uh, joined in the group, but he had, uh, nobody else in the group was interested in, in metaphysical stuff, let alone Shaver or any of the things that he wanted serious, anything that he wanted to talk about. Uh, and uh, so we we were friendly, but I, I wouldn't say that we were friends. However, I was that was a period where I was doing interviews of people that were interested in this stuff. So I got him to sit down on a couple of occasions in my house, uh, and uh, and and did those interviews. But including them in that particular book was an afterthought. In both mm. cases, I didn't know him that long. I went down to my hometown to write, ironically, Secret Cipher and Secret Rituals at the same time. There's a long story about why they were uh, 10 years apart that has to do with the supreme leader of the OTO and how he didn't want me writing books. I was, I, I, that's one of my <laughs> little hidden questions was wondering why the, the OTO disconnect, but anyways. <laughs> I'll be, I always will talk about my 20 year experience with the cult of the OTO. God, I mean, it was just, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because you answered my question about how, uh, why you even uh, interviewed Terry. So I, I don't even have to ask that one. So that works out good. Never <laughs> asked me. I, I, at the same time during that same period, I interviewed uh, Carrie Thornley, who was kind of a street person in Atlanta, and I interviewed Carrie, not Terry. I interviewed Carrie right. at the OTO Lodge House. And he was scared to death because he had probably heard it was the Illuminati or look, the OTO couldn't lead a Boy Scout march on a burlesque house. I mean, the blurs <laughs> <laughs> of the world is you, you just have to know the people in it. it it's not, not that swift. Um, I did note, donate Gerald Gardner's OTO charter to the OTO as in lieu of giving them property to become a sovereign grand inspector general right. as far as I got. And then I told them what I thought of them and uh, we... Bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> More like Felicia, but that's a... <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, you get ahead there by getting ahead there. It's... Yep. 
I'll tell you what though, just hearing you talk like um, the things you just just said about Terry and stuff like that really kind of explains his demeanor. Um, just that, that idea of pushing that idea of that radical and things like that. And that he's a radical in both worlds, right? This radical on this political side of things as well as this ufology side of things. And I like that because there's not a lot of folks like that. No, he, um, he, he was very impressive in the story he was telling. I think that's what most people, mm -hmm. and he had not told me that story in advance. So I really, you know, I, I knew that he was interested in Shaver because he borrowed, uh, I had all these amazing stories from the 40s and the mm -hmm. hidden world from the early 1960s. Yeah. And I loaned them to him and then I went down to my hometown 200 miles away for about six months to write write those books came back to Atlanta and he was gone I mean and with my stuff including some rocks that Shaver had sent me with those what he says are picture rocks and I've never seen them since I've never seen him since that's what you should have been on hell you've been like Terry I need my shit <laughs> <laughs> well you know he was old me so and more of an adventurer than me so he may or may not still be around I don't know I mean, he just he just the way that like reading, especially the second interview, the way reading him and hearing you talk about it, it he sounds like a combination of Indiana Jones and Rambo. Like, <laughs> so what he sounds like. The, the thing that doesn't jive for me is the group that we were in was, how shall I put it, far, far left wing. And the the guy who met him not very long after that, like two years later in, in what would be a likely place, which is, you know, the border between North Carolina and, and Georgia, um, said that he was in a right-wing militia group. And hmm. I, I don't know which Terry is real, you know? I mean, yeah, right. the sense that was he faking us out because he just stepped in and stepped out, whereas most of those people, I'm... I'm up until I got thrown off of Facebook uh, by whatever machine, um, I was still in touch with you know other people that were in that group. So hmm. and, you know we've we've remained friends, although we're all old now and can't run yeah. away as fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hold on, let me get on my hover round. <laughs> <laughs> well, and a guy like him, I mean, it, it it could be both, or it could be all just you know. Uh, a, a hoax you know or whatever but i think he wants that mystery he's that type of person it's like i want you to find me mysterious and within the lies that i give you are truth and within the truth i give you are lies right and just so, like gray barker real yep yep <laughs> as people with where gray is concerned because he's better known uh people throw out the baby with the bathwater. And I don't mm -hmm. think they should do that with Terry. I, I wouldn't have published the stuff if I hadn't thought it, it had a, um, it resonated with other things that I've heard from other people, Shaver yeah. included, and the thousands yeah. of people that, you know, validated what, what Shaver wanted to say as loony as that is, you know, maybe there are thousands of loonies having the same uh, <laughs> paranoid experience, but, uh, yeah, they all listen to our shows. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, that's all stuff we're getting into. I mean, especially him. Planet between Earth and Mars. Yes. I'll send your contributions. I'll send you a prayer cloth. 
Sisters <laughs> <laughs> are waiting for your call right now. <laughs> and a sweaty napkin that was pressed against your face. Call 666-6666. <laughs> oh, wait, what's the area code? I don't know. <laughs> Run it through the cipher. I don't know. <laughs> so what's uh, what really strikes me as interesting is I, th- I can't remember which interview it is in the complete, but it has you know has two interviews in there. Yeah. But one of them says that um, you ask him if he's a secret chief, and he says that would be telling. I mean, do you? <clears throat> I mean, do you feel like he's the secret chief, or do you feel like he was blowing smoke, or? I don't think he's a secret chief because I think secret chiefs, their energy is almost unbearable for mortals Mm. like me. But I do think that he considered himself to be in communion with the secret chiefs. And if he's still around, he could indeed be doing what the the hellier folks say, which is pulling the strings. I don't know. Maybe strings right now, you know. Hard to say. If he is, then he's uh, a better magus than I thought he was. I always am fond of saying that the most significant magus that I've ever met, bar none, that living magus is Michael Birdie, and that's for various reasons. Um, but um, I guess someone who was sufficiently advanced, I wouldn't notice it because. I'm just a schlep trying to figure these things out. Yeah. I mean, do you, um, you know, something else that we were, Stephanie and I were talking about a few days ago or a week ago was, is the possibility that uh, some of Indrid's uh, cohorts, so Demo or, or Carl, that they are, that Terry is them and or they are Terry or whatever. Um, well, he claims to have met Indrid Cole. That was his least credible claim, I thought. But I, you know, printed it as it was because he used the cipher to, to figure it out. Uh, all these years, I had thought it was some town in West Virginia, uh, downstate from uh, from Clarksburg and Parkersville town, whatever. But uh, apparently, uh, I, I, they provided good evidence that his clues lead to this town in uh, Kentucky, right? Uh, yeah, Ashland. Ashland, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't associate Ashland with Kentucky. I associate it with Ashland. It's a, a smaller gasoline company that has... Uh, well, oh, they're, yeah. they're based in Kentucky. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, Ashland Oil is based in Kentucky. Yeah, Yeah, I sort of figured that that was the case. But (laughs) whatever is true of that town, whatever led them there, uh, spooky place, very spooky place. So, and it, it, you know, their their identifications fit. And I don't know enough about West Virginia uh, geography. And I don't have great ask anymore that I would be able to, you know, pick a town that fit it anywhere nearly that well. Yeah. Uh, so far as it being a parking lot now, uh, my uh, grandpa- my paternal grandparents were from Baltimore, and my uh, grandfather was a uh, owned a famous saloon in a uh, disreputable neighborhood, and I. Um, 
went to Baltimore several years ago to look up stuff. Uh, it's kind of easy to look up Jewish stuff because it's kept. And uh, mm -hmm. I found the place. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, UB Blake wrote a, a song about my grandfather's uh, saloon called Corner of Chester and Lowe. Uh, which are two streets in Baltimore in a very still, very bad neighborhood that a taxi won't stop in. <laughs> but, and it's a parking lot. Uh, the only point of that story is uh, a lot of things have changed over the years yeah. and parking lots are one of the major urban sprawl things. I mean, here in Atlanta, I used to have a beautiful view of the woods out here. And here now I look out the window, I see a construction site. So it's yeah, it's it's weird. Some of these really, hist I'm a big history buff too, and so some of these really historical buildings that have been torn down just to make a parking lot. Uh, you know, H. H. Holmes Murder Castle. That's just a parking lot now. Like it's hard to even find because it's literally just a parking lot. Yeah, there's a lot of that, and uh, so that's that's not incredible at all. Then the other clues are all really in place assuming that terry wasn't just making it up yeah and i should say about the group uh, you know um we all had silly names so nobody asked if you didn't know it was impolite to ask i was spider rainbow <laughs> i love it <laughs> i was married to lacy rainbow Ooh, now that I think I've seen some of her videos. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't reveal it if she was still doing that, but she's she's <laughs> doing uh, witchy witchy pagan things and uh, somewhere near Syrian Arid, if you know where that is. That's uh, mm -hmm. kind of a mountain retreat for neo pagans. Uh, and uh, so we all had names like that. And uh, whenever I refer to these people, even the ones whose names I know, I refer to them by their uh, noms de guerre. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, even as Gardnerian, we do so in our, in our circles, in our our chats and things like that, we still refer to each other as our Gardnerian circle names, you know? So I, I, I get that. Let me tell you a Bree's story and why I could say I was Spider Rainbow. Okay, it was kind of, when I got out of that scene, it was kind of, of something that I didn't mean more, especially after I joined the OTO. But uh, Bill Breeze, that's, B-I-L-L-B-R-E-E-Z-E, -E -E, the Supreme Commander of the OTO, a.k.a. Hymenaeus Beta, uh, which is a kind of funny name when you think about it. Uh, but <laughs> he, uh, before, in his before days, he lived in Atlanta and was a musician. Uh, and uh, he was visiting me and he brought over one of the people that had been in a band that he was in at one time. I'm fracturing the story slightly. And he introduced me as Spider Rainbow. And I looked at him and I thought, here's the guy that I've pledged my allegiance to. And he's, you know, putting out there something that uh, I'm not so sure is a good idea because we took those names 
not Terry, Terry came in with that name and I don't know him by any other name, but most of us adopted names when, when some of our Canadian uh, counterparts, dare I say comrades, were arrested and sent to prison because they were found with bomb making materials, i.e. they had fertilizer and ammonia in their house which <laughs> most people do, but uh, we, we decided it was prudent from there on out to, to go by uh, noms de guerre. So that was, that was just the ethos of that group. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, um, something else we've been coming across, and this came across in Terry's interview too, that we've been researching a lot, is that idea of the cave systems, of course, and UTs. Um, you know, and that, that story of UT, of, um, Terry fighting Grays underground fits that story from, I don't remember what his name is that, uh, went underground, uh, and found the Grays down there. Isn't that, uh, Shaver? No, he's, this is the guy that worked for the government oh, and then mysteriously died recently. Oh, yeah. Um, an alien, uh, right. Base. Yeah. Yeah, not just <clears throat> Dolce, Dulce, that that story. Yeah, yeah there are several uh, different people who confirm different aspects of that story, and I don't know. I, I don't have any opinion. Yeah, I don't either. But when when Shaver wrote his stuff um, in the forties, uh, they got tons of mail from other people that had had similar experiences. So either, yeah, I mean. It, my theory was well maybe terry and his group of uh, xgis or whatever they were went into a a cave or cavern near Tallulah gorge because that he hinted at that and i was uh, that's a big gorge in north georgia very pretty place Mm -hmm. but um it's where the movie deliverance was filmed yeah not on the wild katusa but on (laughs) on the rather gentle (laughs) Uh, Tallulah Gorge, which used to be a raging river, but they dammed it up. And uh, in any case, damn it, yeah. Well, it's it makes it a lot easier to explore if you can get. Yeah, there. I once tried to carry my youngest son down there, and it's such a deep incline. I got about halfway down, and I thought I can't carry a kid and get all the way down it. So my friends went down and looked around and looked for a cave. And I sat on a ledge with my son, Randall, and uh, uh, waited for them to come back and pretended that I went down there because I was ashamed <laughs> of myself. But I was carrying, a, a you know, a, like a three-year-old child who today has no memory of that at all, as far as I know. Uh, I asked him about it. But anyway, um, where was I going with that? Don't have a moment. Cave, out. Cave, out. cave base. A moment. You're talking to yourself. Stop talking to yourself. Talk to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about the UTs and the caves and, and uh, possible Terry fighting them. Yeah, the, 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 the alternate explanation is that, that there's gas in a lot of mines. That's why the canary in the mine thing was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that would account for hallucinations like the purgatory sure. of St. Patrick's in, in Ireland. Uh, it would account for uh, the purported deaths that took place and the people that survived probably would have, you know, they would have gelled their memories because they were, you know, Oh, did you see that? And they were all prepped to do, to yeah. find Dero and Tiros, and maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But that is an alternate explanation if you want something that's more mundane. 
well what we had found is we found some other correlations through and this is where hellier really helped us with that is that that cave ut you know underground theory is some of the cryptid sightings that we looked into uh the clawed beast of the ohio the loveland frogs and then as well as the kentucky goblins um the interesting thing is is that the kentucky goblins and the clawed beast of the ohio uh happened was it the same day yeah yeah the exact same day and people have not made a correlation to this and they are directly um evansville is directly due north of Kelly, uh, Kentucky, where it happened, right across the river. And we started looking into cave systems and things like that, which indeed meet up with the Ohio and a lot of these underground aquifers and things like that have these underground river systems that connect to the Ohio. Um, Loveland frogs happened right there in Cincinnati on the Ohio not long after, um, and some things like that. And some of the uh, things that they found, like the girl was swimming in the Ohio, and that's where the clawed beast came from, was described very similar to what the Kentucky Goblins looked like in a lot of ways. And the pieces that they found on her, they found this mud and this clay that is normally found yeah. in a cave system. Only, only found in the cave system. And there is an underwater river that runs through the cave system that, that dumps out or goes through the Ohio River. So... Yeah, I mean, and, and this is all back in the 50s, right? So at the time, this is before they had built multiple dams uh, across the Ohio. So there were points of, of, of the Ohio River that were rather shallow uh, for, for swimming. So for, for that kind of stuff to take place. But yeah, I mean, just within the Ohio Valley, we have, we have found so much correlation um, and that's why we loved Hellier so much because we're in Kentucky. And so we were, that's what I was drawn to the series first and foremost, because I've been to Hellier. I have friends that live out in that county and I'd been to that gas station a million times and things like that. So I was fascinated by like, oh, what are they talking about Hellier for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> That on another program, did you not, uh, about having visited in Hellier or? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was very interesting because it seemed like a really obscure place that I it is. heard of. It is. Yeah. It's- and the only reason I went to it's because there was a gas station there. It was on the way to Hueysville, Hueysville, Kentucky. So that's the only reason. Not Hueyville. Yeah. <laughs> Hueysville and Paintsville. And and- yes. Black Mountain. Oh, the, the, that other, the other strange person there that the house burned down. And I found, yeah, I found a really weird thing on YouTube while looking for reviews of Hellier. (laughs) 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 But there was a thing about a fire in Hellier, Kentucky. It was that house burning up. It had made the whatever passes for a local TV station had filmed the house burning (laughs) up. So when they said, oh, we, you know, in real time, when I was watching the program, they said, oh, we can't find the house. I thought, look for charred ruins. I think probably the same house. And I think that the guy is a real person. I I think he discovered his name and maybe the doctorate that he put on the front was from the Universal Life Church or something. I don't know, but well, and, and it's very possible that he was renting, and so he wouldn't be on property uh, rolls as owning a house. And I, like I said, I have a lot of friends that live out there in the Eastern Kentucky, and there's a lot of folks they don't know. So that idea that small town folks know everybody is not 100% these days because people don't talk to anybody anymore, and they, especially when they're so spread out like that. 
And if it's a house that has seen new people every six months to a year because of jobs coming in and out or things, they're not paying attention. They don't care. No, and so. and you're you're talking about Appalachia there, and yeah, the mining industry. Not that I think that the mining industry is not something that should go bye bye. If you same people, nevertheless, uh, they are in a depressed state and need a lot of yeah. help, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, so those that are still there are diehards and local diehards in small towns. I'm from a relatively small town myself whose industry was nuclear bombs <laughs> so, <laughs> there's not much call for uh, making plutonium triggers anymore mm. uh, not in this country anyway yeah. India maybe in Pakistan one of these days boom <laughs> yep <laughs> well so I'm because the population density is so little it probably hurt anybody in <laughs> so I wanted to ask you uh, real quick because because you well Keel I think first turned Stefan and I on to the idea of ultra terrestrials, uh, but you also talk quite a bit about it in Secret Cipher. Um, the the thought that extraterrestrial and ultra terrestrial are are exclusive; they're not one and the same or different names for the same thing. Um, can you just you know elaborate more on your thoughts on the whole ultra terrestrial idea and you know are they are they the grays they, you know they, were they forced underground and mutations of years of humans human, or humans or what you know just i don't think any of these places are actually underground i think there are underground portals to otherware to other uh, brains b-r-a-n-e-s uh, according to uh, uh, the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics or mm -hmm. or our uh, doorways to uh, other realms and why they are in caves I don't know but that is one of the common things also on the top of mountains uh, also in desert settings which may account for a lot of religious phenomena but uh, um, Having said that, I, I'm not really sure whether there is anything to the notion of extraterrestrial visitations because of the vast distances involved. However, if you take the notion of ultraterrestrials being things or entities uh, from other realms, it isn't too far-fetched to say maybe distances aren't as great, you know, between yeah. maybe they are places where they can use wormholes. So there may be some extraterrestrial component, but here's my deal on that. Why in 1947 was the first thing that people jumped to, oh, these must be extraterrestrials. It was none of these things were seen coming in from deep space like that Oumuamua, uh, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to pronounce it either. No, that's the correct pronunciation. I just don't, oh. you know, I don't think it was a spacecraft, I think, but it was interesting that it looked like the cylindrical UFOs. In any mm -hmm. case, Oumuamua, uh, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt, so it gives me magical <laughs> Hawaiian words. Oh. 
<laughs> Come back and tell us what it's all about. It left its COVID here as a gift. Well, <laughs> the herd, as it were, but uh, they they're misunderstood. But uh, in all seriousness, it, it's one of my sociological questions about the whole UFO ufology related phenomena. Why do things that are seen on the earth or near the earth, why is it a leap towards, well, they used to say Mars and now Mars is sort of discounted. So now they say from other star systems or whatever. And I even think some of these entities say they're from other star systems, which could be disinformation very easily. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, there's no evidence whatsoever of extraterrestrial visitations. It doesn't look like uh, there may be some life on one of the moons of Jupiter or to uh, Europa is a good possibility. But whether it's complex life, that, that right. uh, it, it, it's just not likely. Um, if it comes from some other star system, the distances are enormous. Yeah. And it's not like that wasn't true in 1947. It, it's even true now. But people immediately went to it's either natural phenomena, hoaxes, or spaceships from outer space. All right, so please, please, please make sure to tune in next week to get part two. Yep. Um, thank you, Alan. <laughs> I'll be thanking you again next week, yep. too. Um, what an absolute pleasure this is. Just I cannot a, wait for you guys to hear part two. <laughs> just an all-around, just a great uh, engagement conversation. I, I was talking to my wife uh, this morning about the, the, the interview or the, or the discussion, and I said it's just amazing how within like 30 seconds we just clicked the three of us it's oh just, yeah you know, just just <laughs> he's such a huckster and yeah, a jokester right. just like us and if i could take away anything from that was that he reminded me so much of us on how we love to make light of things and have a blast right. and joke around and you know but at the same time these things are very serious to right. us um, and you know, it's just, it, it, I, I, yeah, just, you know, the thought that the thought that if you joke about something, it somehow lessens the, uh, importance of it, I think is a, is a miss, you know, a miss thought because it's just because you joke about something doesn't mean that you care about it any less. Yeah, absolutely. I make fun of the theologian all the time, but I still love him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, again, thank you, Alan. Make sure to tune in next week, guys, for part two. Um, I do want to tell you guys, um, we are looking forward to uh, coming soon. I think in like a week or two, us and Santosh are going to be traveling to Point Pleasant. That's the plans, provided they don't lock down the country again. Yeah, well, even then, I'm going to stand outside with a mask because <laughs> um, we were wanting to do this back in April right. and uh, didn't get to happen. So we're going to be mothmanning it up, hopefully hanging out with Joe Perdue. He's going to show us some sights. Um, and uh, I'm just really, really excited about this. The three of us are going to go out there, check out some stuff, check out the museum, yep. uh, all to prepare for our... Um, Mothman, Mothman episode, episode that yeah. we have been holding off on for quite some time. 
Uh, I'm just so excited. We're gonna try to we're gonna try to find some UFOs um, while yep. we're there, and uh, maybe even do some other things. I did just uh, see that Asheville um, is only like ten minutes off of the path. Yeah, on it's the not way. That far. Yeah, on the way, so we could stop in Swing Asheville. Through. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of cool stuff that we can do. I know Santosh is super excited to be involved with us on this. Um, we and Alan Greenfield is a part of this because all of that is is kind of ties to Hellier and and getting yeah. into Mothman prophecies. And uh, if you listen to last week's episode, you know that all of that is a part of our journey. Right. So I'm very very pumped for that. Yep, it's going to be, uh, well, number one, road trips are always fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I can't wait to, to kind of hear some of the discussion that the three of us get into and just the road trip portion of the of the weekend. But, yeah, it's going to be a great time. And, and, of course, you know, you'll get to hear uh, about all of that stuff as part of our Mothman episode. It won't yep. just be a coverance of Mothman. It'll also be a coverance of our, our trip that we take out to Point Pleasant. So. Absolutely. Um, so I want to move into our listener story before we get out of here. Um, our listener story this week comes from a woman named Tiandra, um, and it is portrayed, again, by our very, very good friend, Naoma. Um, Naoma Miller. Um, she is uh, a, a good junkie of all things paranormal and psychic, uh, as well as one half of the amazing band Lavender and Thieves, which you can find on Spotify. They have an amazing album, so go check that out. Uh, but this week's story comes from Tiandra, and check it out. My name is Tiandra Robart, and I live in Massachusetts. Um... I know this sounds crazy, but I am pretty sure I have been experiencing astral projection. Uh, It all started when I was younger, probably about seven or eight. It was me and my little brother. We were supposed to be in bed sleeping, but he, he kept coming into my room and we were just being silly. He kept running back and forth from his room to my room. He'd pop back in, leave. He did this probably about 10 times. And on the 10th time, I, I guess we were a little too loud. And we woke up our parents. And my dad came in and was just yelling at us. And he put him back in his bed. And uh, he was like, go to bed. And we were like, okay, fine. So a few minutes after my dad went back into his bedroom... I saw my little brother come back into my room, but he looked weird. He was fuzzy and staticky looking. And I told him, I was like, you need to go back to your room because dad is going to spank you again. So I got up to go and walk him back to his room and he disappeared right in front of me. I ran into the hallway and I didn't see him, so I went into his room, and there he was, fast asleep in his bed. What? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but not only did I see my brother doing astral projection, I actually have personal astral projection stories of my own. When it happened to me, it was very strange, and uh, I felt like I wasn't alone. So we lived in this creepy apartment building. At night we would hear a woman and she would be crying and yelling out hello. Um, Things would move. And at nighttime, my cats would go absolutely nuts. They would just be running around the house, staring at things, meowing. It was crazy. 
So we decided to put a camera up and we caught a few things on it. One night I was in bed. I do not remember falling asleep. All I remember is being in a state of sleep paralysis, which is absolutely terrifying. My room became this ugly greenish gray color and it felt as if someone was watching me. And so I went to turn my head to see and my pillow was pulled out from under my head. Just as the pillow is about to fully come out from under my head, I find myself standing over my bed with the pillow in my own hand. I have never been able to explain this well because it was so weird. But I remember standing there in a paralyzed state, unable to move for at least three minutes. I was watching myself. I pulled my own pillow out. Has anyone else experienced anything like this? Wow. Um, so I, I would love to be able to do that. I mean, that's like one of the things I'm going for, right, is well, to be able to ask. What's interesting, what's interesting is her astral projection was able to become corporeal essentially yeah to physically grab something which is is something i've not heard of yet yeah um and that's what's scary and cool about that yeah um almost like a different level of manifestation right because it almost makes you wonder are some of the um hauntings and things like that are those just astral projections if they're able to move things and do things is it just accidental astral projections? Is yeah. that why it mostly happens at night? Because people are sleeping and that's when astral projection tends to happen a lot? Yeah. Makes, I mean, and, it, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be um, necess- you know, members of your family or household. It, it could be your neighbor accidentally astral projecting yeah. and wandering into your house. Yeah. I just don't know. It, I mean, it, it definitely opens some thoughts that I hadn't had before. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to really think on that and, and see if I can expand on that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, does anybody else have any astral projection stories? Um, send those to us, please. Um, you know, or just your normal haunting stories or any UFO sightings or uh, anything strange, weird, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. I don't care. Jersey Devil. Hey! <laughs> um, any of those sites. Send those to us. You can send those to us at Fearscape podcast at gmail.com or you can get onto our website fearscapepodcast.com I just uh, said that again Um, is uh, there you can go to submit a report and you can send that to us um, in there and let us know whether you want to be anonymous or not send us your stories Um, but we're also collecting things um, and we also have a phone number too don't we Josh that people can call in or text us with those stories yep if you actually browse to uh, fearscapepodcast.com on your mobile device uh, there's a, in the menu there, there actually lists a phone number. We don't have the phone number listed on the main like desktop site. Uh, I'll, I'll work on doing that. But uh, but actually on the mobile site, you can get to a phone number there. And, yeah, you can text us. Uh, you can call, leave a voicemail message, and it'll get transcribed as a, as a text-type message. Um, and yeah, that's what, that's another way that you can you know pass along your information, your sightings, your yeah, even uh, texting us pictures and, right. and of that. We've had a few people do that already that have sent us some UFO pictures and some things like that. 
Um, a lot is happening on our website along that lines. We're also trying to collect data, of course, so please send in your your sightings on whether it be UFO, cryptid, ghost, or whatnot. Yeah, or, or, or any of the above, or all of the above. Or all of the above, yeah. Send those in. Check out our new uh, social scape on the website as well. It's a way for you to connect with other blanket huggers um, to discuss and talk about all things paranormal. Um, it's a really great uh, aspect to our website that we're trying to grow and build right now um, and we'd be very interested um, to have a way for us all to meet up because not everybody's on Facebook you know yep and so and, and also you know if you're out there uh, uh, looking at social scape or, or filling out a signing report uh, you know check out our store we have uh, some amazing uh, great t-shirts uh, that are out there we're, we're pretty much I'd say we're adding like a new design a week at this point. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, For sure. And, and so we have some really good uh, some ideas that are coming and, and flowing. And so uh, every you know every little bit uh, helps us, helps the show, helps us uh, bring you content, uh, do, do the research that we need to do. Um, you know, don't forget to check out our, our YouTube uh, channel, which is uh, Fearscape Media. We've got you know every podcast that drops is also available on YouTube. Um, we've got some Fearscape Unhinged out there. We're going to be bringing now some um, Paranormal Tech, mm-hmm. which are reviews of uh, technology that, like we used to do the show, uh, technology that we used to do our own investigations. Right, ghost th- hunts. You know, anything from an app on a phone to an actual physical technical device that we use. So, yeah, just, you know, uh, we got a lot of uh, irons in the fire, so to speak. And uh, we'd like for you to, you know, to, to be able to join us on as many of those as, as, as possible. Absolutely. And your support is key by buying T-shirts and helping us or even going to our Patreon page, which you can get through the website as well. Um, hitting up our Patreon page and becoming a patron of Fearscape uh, to help help us. I mean, so far, I mean, we're heading to Point Pleasant. We're going to be doing big things, all this stuff. And your support is key. And uh, there's lots of great things that will be coming for Patreon. The more and more we see some movement on there and uh, just taking care of all of you guys with some amazing stuff that it will be Patreon only. Um, so, But anyways, trying to get off that soapbox. Yep. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for tuning in as usual. And I cannot wait for you to hear part two of Alan Greenfield. Alan, I know you're listening. Thank you so much for yep. giving us the time. Uh, and all this stuff, but we got to get out of here so that we can, you know, eat food and be normal people with our wives <laughs> um, before we put our tin hats on in the, in the evening. Right. So, uh, so we'll go ahead and get out of here. Uh, this has been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. (laughs) Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape.